0: Week last week we did a little bit of survey, a little interaction. I asked you what were some of the best and worst Christmas songs. Today we're doing Christmas movies. Someone tell me, raise a hand. Tell me best Christmas movie. Give me a hand. Someone raise a hand. Best Christmas movie, right here in the back. Christmas Vacation. That's a good one. Lampoons. Give me another one. And we got another one right over here. It's a It's a great one in the back. Die. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Die Hard, I'm not touching it, all right, <laughs> we'll get to that one, I, I, I do have a couple that I wrote down, a couple that I think the best, The Polar Express is one that we just love, love that one, uh, Elf, if you like to laugh, is anything funnier than, than Elf, and, uh, and then I did, I did put down It's a Wonderful Life, it is, is great, all right, let's do this, Worst Christmas Movies, Worst Christmas Movies, someone give me a hand. What? I don't know. In the back. Die hard. Die. What? Yes. Yes. All right. Worst Christmas movies. Worst Christmas. Right here. Alf. What is wrong? She does not like to laugh. That must be what it is. Anyone anyone on this side? Worst Christmas movie? Hallmark. Which one? There's 3,442 and they have one plot. All right. Here's the ones I wrote down. Home Alone 3, like, you can't change the little boy. It just ruins it. Uh, stick with one and two. Uh, this one, some of uh, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas, like, that, uh, I, I, yeah, it's like, why are you trying to mix Halloween and Christmas? They don't belong together. And I did put Die Hard because it is not a Christmas movie. It happens at Christmas time. It is not a stinking Christmas movie. There we go. I want to ask, though, about a movie called, uh, maybe you've seen, have you seen the movie Jingle All the Way? Anybody seen that movie? This was a movie, uh, uh, it's probably 25 years old. That tells you how old I am. It's, it's an older movie. And, uh, you know, that movie, it, it's not the worst. It's not the best. It's just a movie. If you remember that movie, uh, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Schwarzenegger uh, and Sinbad. They're in this, like, competition. There's the big ticket Christmas item. Right, I mean, you mean you think about like Tickle Me Yoma or whatever it was, and the movie, uh, the the the, uh, the the prize was the Turbo Man action figure, and you see these two guys go through all sorts of trouble and all sorts of fighting to get that perfect gift for their child, and uh, <laughs> you know what? What I think is so interesting about that movie is it kind of captures the pressure that often parents feel to get the perfect gift for their child, right? Like, you think about, as a parent, like, like, maybe your kid comes up with a Christmas list, and it's like, you know, maybe the Turbo Action uh, action figure. Uh, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, an Xbox, car, Xbox or a Pokemon card or whatever it happens to be. As a parent, like, you feel the pressure of getting those tickets. And I know some of you, I know some of y'all, uh, uh, you're Grinches, and you just don't care. Like, you're a Grinch. And I'm just saying that, like, man, I, I feel, you know, again, if I'm going to just be, be, uh, honest, like anybody feel the pressure that I do? Like I do, I experience a lot of pressure trying to get the right gifts for my family, for my friends. And my kids, you know, they'll come up with these lists and they have all sorts of expensive things on their lists. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But man, I want to I wanna give them love. I want to influence them. I want to have a good relationship. And so I do everything on my power to get things on these lists. Now, <laughs> uh, I just do have to have a little bit of a confession. Um, you know, if you look at my Christmas list versus my wife's Christmas list, I think we have it up here, and uh, uh, I feel a lot of pressure for my side of the, 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 the shopping list, and anybody else's marriage is like that? Anybody? All right. <laughs> you know, gifts are so funny. You think about your Christmases growing up. When you begin to think about Christmases growing up, what is your favorite childhood memory from Christmas? Anybody think about that? Like, anybody have a specific memory? The greatest memory they have from Christmas growing up was something under the tree. Anybody have that? Because I'll tell you, I've talked about like my, some of my favorite Christmas memories, and they have little to do with what was under the tree. My Christmas memories I shared a couple weeks ago, I loved. My mom would have us do a birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas Eve, and we'd sing, "'Happy Birthday to Jesus.'" My mom would take us out, and we would go drive around looking at all the Christmas lights. We'd go to the big tree lighting thing. Like, those are the memories I have from Christmas. In fact, I've got a Christmas from, a memory from Christmas in 1991 when my dad was still alive. And again, I remember this this year because there wasn't anything underneath the tree. But I remember it was like a couple days before Christmas, and my dad had errands he needed to run. And so he said, Kevin, why don't you come with me and run my errands with me? And I remember for, for two specific reasons. Number one, my dad bought me a pack of Necco wafer candies. They're pretty much the worst candy ever. Like, there's no flavor to them. But I remember my dad loved Necco wafers. And guess what? I love Necco wafers because my dad bought me Necco wafers. So we had eating these, these they're like potato chips. They're not, not, not a good candy, but uh, I remember Necco wafers. And the other thing I remember about this day... And this was scandalous, folks. This was scandalous. My dad took me to the sports center for lunch. Now, now, sports center on Yakima Avenue. You remember seeing the guy? He has got the gun. And, he's, and my mom, she flipped a lid. She's like, "You took your son, your eight-year-old son, to a sports bar? It was scandalous." But I remember how exciting that was for me. Like, I got to go one of the places my dad loved, and it's to this day. It's one of my favorite Christmas memories. It has nothing to do with gifts under the tree. It has to do with the fact that my dad wanted to spend time with me, and we got to go and do those things together. This month here at Restoration Church, we're having some conversations uh, about how uh, we want to celebrate presence more than presents. That the greatest gift that we can give to people, to people we love, our family, our friends, is not necessarily a gift under the tree, but the greatest thing we can give is our presence investing in the relationships with one another. In fact, we said this is what Christmas is all about. It's about God's presence with us. We've talked about John 1.14. It says, The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Isaiah 7, that great Christmas prophecy, uh, said, uh, Behold, the virgin shall give birth, and you shall name your son Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because God chose to give his presence to us in the form of Jesus. But today, we're looking at a passage that is not a Christmas passage. It's a passage uh, in Deuteronomy that really is about uh, instructing parents on how uh, they can make the greatest impact on their children for the gospel. Parents, you want to know how to make the greatest impact on your, on your children's and their faith? Man, this is the text that you go to, that there's nothing more significant than a parent's influence on them than, than, than just this text that we read for us this morning. It's 100% true. But what I want to ask us to do this morning is to step back just a little bit. Just to step back and look at the principle in this passage. Because the principle in this passage is really about parents, the greatest thing you can do for your kids is to be intentional with your investment in your presence. To be intentional with your relationship and how you might accomplish it. And what is so fascinating to me is this principle goes beyond just the parent-child relationship. It impacts all of our relationships, that when we look around and we've we've got family members and friends and people we care about, we're like, man, I want to make an impact on them. Listen, it comes down to the same idea. Are we going to invest our presence in other people? Again, for us to make the greatest impact, it's less about the gifts we give people that we wrap under the tree. It's more about us being intentional to give our presence. The Deuteronomy 6, the passage that that, uh, Jake read for us this morning, Um, It's often called the Shema. Uh, For Jews, uh, uh, this was uh, how education was supposed to work. This was how one generation was supposed to take the the works of God and and the things of God and pass it on to the next generation. So this was a significant passage for Jews in their time. And it starts out, verse 4, our text, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. This was a major profession of faith for them. They lived in a culture uh, that promoted many gods. So there was all sorts of gods. We live in a culture that promotes no God. They had a culture that promoted many gods. And so this statement, the Lord your God is one, was was, was important and significant for them. Man, God is is, is not just a little God from all these different places. No, God is one. He's the foundation of life. And he follows that with verse 5. And it says, you should love the Lord your God without your heart, soul, might, and strength. Love God with everything. This is the sum of of God's teaching. This is God's goal for us, that we would love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, in Matthew 22, there's some religious people, they come up to Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, we know there's those 10 commandments, there's all the other commandments in the Old Testament, which one's the most important? And Jesus points right back to this one right here. Is says the most important is this, Matthew 22. It says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the most important. And they said, there's another one that's just like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things hang the entire scriptures. Love God, love people. Now, what's fascinating to me, though, is when you look at this passage, when you look, here's what he's saying. You need to love God with your heart, soul, mind. Notice what he does not say. He doesn't say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Therefore, you need to do the Ten Commandments and teach the Ten Commandments to your kids. That's not what he says, right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, because God is one, here's the code you need to learn and submit to. Uh, Here's what you have to obey. Here's the rules you have to teach to the next generation so you can be my people. That's not what he says. What does he say? He says, love the Lord your God without your heart, soul, might, and strength. Why do they say that? Why does it say love instead of obey? Because we are motivated. We do what we do, not because we have an understanding of right and wrong. No, we are motivated by our love. Our understanding of right and wrong, it doesn't, it doesn't influence how we live. It's our love that motivates our actions. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. Uh, when you go out to eat, right? You're going to go to majors. You're going to go to Red Robin, right? What are you going to do? Like, you're going to go there, and you're like, I know I should probably have a salad. I know the super salad food with kale and all this other stuff is going to be really good for me. But you're also looking, you're like, man, look at that cheeseburger with the melted cheese and the bacon and, and the grilled onions and the French fries and the peppermint milkshake. Like, you know what you should get, but what do, you, what do you order? Let's just be honest. The cheeseburger. The big, greasy cheeseburger. We know what we're, why? Because it's what we love that motivates the direction of our life. That's true. And so God's instruction to parents, God's instruction to us is, hey, the most significant thing is that you love God, not just obey him, that you love him, because your love will motivate how you live your life. You want to make an impact on your kids. Man, it starts with your own love of God, not just obedience. No, he wants us to love because love brings obedience. And here's what he says next, verse 6. He says, these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart, and you should teach them diligently to your children. What are these words? What's he talking about? These words, I command you to teach them. What is he talking about? Is he talking about a bunch of rules to follow? Is he talking about obedience? No, the foundation, the foundation for everything he wants us to teach is about loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, No, you're to teach them diligently to love me. In fact, that word diligently we see in our text, I love how it says in a couple different versions. The the Christian Standard uh, Bible says you are to repeat them, the NIV says you are to uh, impress upon them, which carries this idea that, that this. Role of of responsibility. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just once you say, "Oh, you need to love God." No, this is something that's a constant conversation. It's constantly something that we're bringing up, having conversations about. Man, we gotta love God. We gotta love Him. Now, I don't know about you though, but you now we've got five kids, and I hear this. I'm like, "Oh, I'm supposed to teach this to my kids." I don't know about you, but I get a little bit overwhelmed. Like, I don't know because for me, I'm like, we are so stinking busy. Like, we've got all sorts of kids' sports, and and they're in ballet and cross country and tennis and all these different things going on, and and then my wife works, and I work, and uh, we've got the house and the dog and all these things that, you know, kids work, and we have so much going on, and I hear this, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't have time to do a Bible study every night with the kids. Like, how much time it takes me to prep for that, and then you get them to sit down and try to coordinate everybody's schedule. Like, ah, how am I supposed to do that? This is where I love because God recognizes we live in the real world. He realizes that life happens at 1,000 miles a minute. And so listen to how he instructs us to do this. Verse 7, he says, teach them diligently and talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Did you hear what he said? He said, we teach our kids not by teaching them the Greek and Hebrew Bible. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about us sending our kids to church or to Awana or to Bible study or to vacation Bible school or to youth group. He's not saying you're to gift your kids a a Christian education. I mean, those things can be beneficial, but that's not what he says ultimately is going to impact our kids. What impacts the next generation? Investing our time, and our presence in the simple routines of life. That's what he says. When you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, that if we're going to impact the next generation, if we're going to have an impact on our families, it comes by us making the love of God and conversations about the love of God every day parts of our conversation and parts of our life. And, And he says... Sitting in the house, like, we all sit in the house, right? This is is what we do. At the end of the day, what do you do? You go into the living room, and you turn on the TV, and you put on Golden Bachelor, or whatever your favorite TV show is, whatever it happens to be. You grab your phone, and you're scrolling through what's happened, what you missed out on Instagram, and and all the other social media things. And your kids, they're sitting in there, on their devices, and they're playing Minecraft, and they're like, ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You know, they're doing their thing. Do you realize that when you're sitting in your house, that is an opportunity for you to invest relationally in your kids? Again, God's not talking about having a Bible study. He's saying when you're in the living room, when the TV's on, don't turn the golden bachelor off. Although maybe you should. Maybe you should just turn that show off. Put something else on. There's probably football on. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I've, uh, okay, Where am I? Here, here we are. Uh, He's not talking about, you know, having to go through some Bible study. He's saying, in the things that you're doing, you're sitting around watching TV, you watch The Bachelor, why don't you talk about what real love is? Hey, kids, let's talk about this. You want to know what real love is? Man, here's how God has loved us. And this is where you take the love of God and the conversation of God, and you make it just an everyday part of your conversation. It requires us to be intentional that when we're talking about life, when we're doing things, we're just bringing God into the conversation. It requires us to be present, to engage our family's hearts. Where we're sitting down, or we're watching the television show, we're doing whatever it happens to be, we're like, hey, I'm going to engage my family. And you ask that question, how was school today? Now listen, when you ask that question, 99.9% of kids are going to say, good, how was school today? Good. Was it normal good or was it special good? Good. No, nope. we got to work at it. We got to be persistent. We got to be consistent to engage them, to, to, to engage their heart, to, to draw out their conversation, to draw their, their heart out. And again, we're not talking about us preaching at them. We're talking about engaging them. He said this. He said, uh, when you're sitting in the house, when you walk by the way, Now, we don't walk many places anymore unless you're Kevin and Gretchen Kelly because you live so close to the church, okay? But how many of you drive in a car? Listen, there's no beautiful place to trap your kids in than in the car because they got nowhere else to go. They're they're a captive audience. It's beautiful. When When you're in the car, man, this is opportunity to have some conversations, You pass by some, uh, uh, right now, as we drive at night, we're like, man, look at this Christmas light over here. Man, isn't it great for us to be able to highlight those things and just marvel at the beauty that God has given us? Again, you're trying to say, these are things you're normally doing. You're already driving in the car, so why don't you look around to see some of the things that God's given us that you can praise God for, where again, you're allowing the conversation and the love of God or the adoration of God to be a normal part of your conversation. He says, when you lie down, Listen, bedtime was one of my favorite times when our kids were little. I loved it because we would go in bed and we, we'd get our teeth brushed and we'd get all ready and we'd sit down and we'd read a book together and we'd pray and then I'd wrestle and I'd rile them all up and my wife would be like, they're supposed to be going to bed and you're trying to rile them I'm up. That's what, that's what dads do, right? That's what we do. We rile them up. My favorite thing when I get done preaching is I'll go on to the kids ministry and I will rile those kids up so when you pick them up, they're all excited because I went and messed with them. All right, That's what we do is being intentional to say, hey, this is what we do. We go to bed every night. Be intentional with that. Now, I will say as our kids have gotten older, it makes it a little bit harder because those kids, they stay up later than we do. Like I get to like 9, 30, 10, and I'm done. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. But these kids come in and it's 9, 30, 10, and they're just waking up. They're like, hey, let's talk. And I'm like, all right. We're going to turn the lights on. I'm going to sit up. I'm going to try and engage with them because I want to invest in that presence. That's when they want to talk, man, I'm in. I'm with you. He says, when you rise up. I'll be honest, like one of my favorite things to do as a dad is to take my kids to school because I get the chance to pray over each of the kids by name. We pray, and I'll be honest, like uh, my youngest uh, is going to be going into high school next year. And so he'll probably be driving to school with his sister, and it makes me really sad because I have cherished that time in the morning to be able to say, we're driving to school together, and I'm praying over every one of y'all by name. It's been something that has been so—now, it's scary for the other drivers. So they're like, why is that guy praying with his eyes closed, right? He's supposed to be driving. But it's been a cherished time for me to say, hey, it's just how I want to be intentional to invest my presence in my kids to allow some of these conversations about God to be normal and routine. Verse eight, he says, you shall bind them. You should bind these commands to love God with a heart, soul, mind, and strength, that that being being the foundation. You shall bind them. They shall be a sign on your hand. They shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You should write them on the doorpost and on the house gates. He's saying that this idea to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength should be at the forefront of everything we do. We should be intentional to make these conversations about God just natural, a part of conversations we have in whatever it is we're doing. Guess what? We're going to go play in the snow. We're going to have a conversation about God, about how great the snow is and how wonderful it is. And guess what? Maybe if you're not like those people, that don't like the snow, maybe you go find the snow and you're like, let's talk about Satan, right? Let's talk about how good God is that the snow melts. Whatever it happens to be, you just bring God into the everyday circumstances. Now, let me just clarify, like I'm, I'm not a parenting expert. My kids will amen to that. I'm not a parenting expert. I've never found a formula or a system to guarantee your kids will turn out the way that you want. And I'll be honest, we've looked. We've looked and looked and looked for that system. But I will stand behind the principle in this passage that we want to make the biggest difference in the lives of our family around us and our kids and I will not go this far and say, I think what our kids want from us, what they want on their Christmas list, even though they may not say it. Their list may have Pokemon and Xbox games and, and Legos and Taylor Swift junk and all those other things they may want. What they want the most, even though they will not say it, is simply our presence. It's simply us engaging with them, taking an interest into them, into their life. This is why we have to be intentional with our opportunities. Not to preach. Not to nag and criticize. Not to make them obedient kids that follow all the rules. No, our job is to stir their emotions and their heart to love God and to love others. That is our responsibility. You know, do you know how you How you communicate your love to your children, how you communicate the love of God is simply by us giving this intentional presence to our kids. You know, you know, in relationships, uh, love has a unique spelling. I heard this years ago, and something that's that's true. Love is in relationships, love is spelt this way. Love is spelt T-I-M-E. You want to communicate your love to your children through your time. That is the way it works. Again, one of those things that you can do, you can do a little time inventory. And I'm guaranteeing your kids will say, oh, my dad, he sure loves his football. Oh, my dad, he sure loves his work. Oh, my mom, she sure loves Instagram. She really loves Instagram. What does your time show about what you love? Now, this principle, obviously, the passage that we're in, Deuteronomy 6, is gearing towards parents and children, but I think this principle goes beyond parents and kids. It's true of, of most relationships. True of friendship. It's true of, of marriage. That if we want to have an impact, we want to influence the people we love, the people around us, the question is, will, be, will we be intentional with our time, with our presence? This Christmas, as we've talked about Uh, Giving the biggest, giving gifts that make the biggest difference on the people around us. I think this is one of the things that many of us we already know. And it's good for us to be here today to be reminded of it. The summary of this message, what we need to hear today is that by intentionally investing our presence, it's the greatest gift that we can give to those we love. By us intentionally, intentionally investing our presence into the people around us, that is the greatest gift that we can give. I mean, don't you, don't you see this in the story of God, right? Like the, like the high point, the climax of the whole story of God. Isn't it Christmas? Where God solves the problem of sin and Satan and death and hell. How does he do that? Not by giving us a get out of hell free card, right? No, he doesn't give us a list of things to do for us to, to make God proud of us. No, what does he do? He gives us the presence of his son. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, born to die so we can live. Scripture says that. That the difference that God makes in our life is not a bunch of rules. It's not a get-ahead or free card. It's simply an opportunity to have a relationship with him, a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. In fact, today, man, I'd invite you to the greatest presence that you will ever experience. And I'm not talking about a knowledge of God, that there's a God in the cosmos. I'm not talking about a God who's there to judge you and to condemn you. No, I'm talking about a God who is alive, who is full of grace and truth, a God who forgives and redeems and restores, a God who gives his presence and gives us a promise, gives us the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the presence I want to invite you into experience today. The presence of God in the flesh in Jesus Christ Emmanuel. This is the idea. The best thing that we can do is invest our presence. So, how do we apply this? Again, if you're looking for a really spiritual answer today, I'm just going to go really practical. Okay? Here's how you, some ideas that might be helpful to you to think about how to invest your presence into the people around you. Uh, like this, I've got, we've got some friends, and I love this idea. We've got some friends, and uh, they made the decision years ago that for Christmas, Christmas comes up, they were only going to buy their kids a couple little small things. Only, no, we're going to do a couple little small things. And rather than spending the money on the gifts, they took that money and said, let's go have some experiences together. Let's go do stuff together. Let's travel together. Let's go do fun stuff together. Go places I'm like, how genius is that? To be able to say, hey, again, if presents is the greatest thing we can give to our kids, man, why do we spend all the time trying to find the right gift to wrap and make them happy? Why don't we figure out how to just give them a greater opportunity to have presents? (laughs) Now, I recognize (laughs) here we are a week before Christmas, and most of us have our Christmas shopping bot. Some of you have your Christmas presents wrapped. You're overachievers. Okay, we're all going to judge you for having them wrapped at this point. Like, you don't do that, you know? That's just me. (laughs) But listen, if your gifts are already there, man, what if you looked at the gifts under the tree that you're giving your family? What if those were invitations to give your presents? I mean, think about this. Like, Like, you buy your kids Legos. The great thing with Legos is kids will go and be busy for an hour and a half building the Legos. What if the Lego was your opportunity to say, man, I'm going to build the Legos with you. I'm going to engage with you and give you my presence. Video games are terrible. But what if instead of just being like, hey, there's a video game, go play it. What if you learned how to play Minecraft with the kids? Now, I've tried this. Like, I used to be able to play video games with my kids, and I loved it because I could always, always beat them. I can't do that anymore. So, like, I don't want to play video games anymore because I hate, I'm a sore loser. It's the way it is. I'm a sore loser, and they beat me at everything nowadays. But guess what? Like, like, what if those gifts under the tree, what if they weren't things to make them happy? What if the things that you said, I'm going to engage with you? Pokemon. Huh. Pokemon, I don't understand it. I'm glad my kids never got into it. But what if that is for you? Pokemon, you're going to go and figure out how to trade Pokemon cards and figure out what cards mean. I think that's how it works. I don't know. You guys are smarter than me. Again, it's just saying, how do I be intentional with my presence? Again, you look at that text, and the text talks about sitting around the house, now, I don't know about you, but how many of us have some extra time off this Christmas? You get an extra day off, extra you know, time with family? Again, what if, what if you were intentional with your time this Christmas? So for you, what if it was a movie marathon? <laughs> I'll be honest, like with my family, uh, like I didn't, grow up, I didn't grow up liking superheroes. Like I, I, Marvel, like, like all those, that, that, like men and superheroes in tights never excited me. I did grow up watching WWF you know, the, the real wrestling. And so, I, I mean, I guess I like men in tights. I just like them, yeah, okay, but that's weird. We won't go there. Uh, men in spandex, yes, don't judge me. <laughs> my kids, they got into the Marvel superheroes. And so, guess what? My kids are interested in it, I'm going to take an interest in it. And we did. We sat and watched all 1,752 movies there are of all the Marvel superheroes. I don't know, I don't know how many there is. There's a, there's a bunch of them. I will say Iron Man was my favorite. Me and Iron Man, we're homeboys. Again, it's one of those things, hey, let's take this time. We're home. We've got some extra time. Let's invest time together. Let's do a movie marathon. Sitting around the house, board games, meals together. Hey, here's another idea that I think was great. Uh, Uh, What if you put your phone away over this Christmas break? What if there was a time when you're like, hey, we're home together. Why don't we put our phones in this basket or put it in a drawer? And what if you, as a family, what if you took a Sabbath for a day from your phones? Can you imagine the conversations that you might actually have by not being able to, oh, I need to go check on, uh, you know, I got a text message. Oh, I got a message here. I got to go check what's going on on Twitter. Being intentional with our time, being intentional with our presence. And he says, walk by the way. Again, with a little bit of extra time over Christmas break. Now, what if you did a day trip together? Drive up to the pass. Go to Leavenworth. Again, you got your family in a car. They're a captive audience. They've got nowhere else to go. You get to talk as much as you want. And I'll I'll say this. We do this. uh, One of my favorite memories this last year uh, with our family is we went to, uh, we were going to Wenatchee. There was a cross-country race up in Wenatchee. And so we got a bunch of us in the car. We're driving up to Wenatchee. And uh, we didn't know, but there was uh, the road crew was striping. They were striping. And so, like, traffic was so backed up, and we actually miss, almost missed the entire race. Uh, <laughs> and so we're driving, and it's a little stressful because we're trying to get there. We we're we're, know we're going to be short. Uh, man, we, we had so much fun in that car ride, though. We laughed, we stressed, we talked. And, and my favorite is, is, is Oliver, was um, our youngest, was sitting in the back seat. And he's driving, he sees, he sees a sign on the road that says, Road working or road work ahead. And he's like, This road isn't working ahead. That's why we're delayed. And that was so dumb. But we laughed so hard. Again, it's just because you're in the car. You're gonna be intentional with, hey, we're not gonna be in the car to be on devices, we're gonna be in the car to engage with one another, to have some time together. What about outside of Christmas? Again, we're just we're talking Christmas. What about outside of Christmas? How can you be intentional with your presence and to the people around you? What is it in your schedule that you need to adjust? What is it in your life that you need to adjust to be intentional? Is that looking at your schedule and saying, hey, let's plan a date night. Date night between you and your spouse. You want to make an investment in your relationship? Man, prioritize date night. That goes beyond just husband and wife, though. Like, like, like parents, like, you know, you can date your children. And it's so good for you to get one-on-one time and say, hey, let's go get coffee together. Let's go out to eat together. And, and you're able to talk and, and engage with them. You got a friend. You got someone who's struggling. You got someone you want to invest in. Man, don't make it weird, but just be like, hey, let's schedule this monthly. Let's monthly, let's get together. Let's get coffee. Let's talk about where things are. Let's be intentional with our presence. What about this? What about, being, what about being emotionally present? Again, how many of us have these relationships with people around us, and there's a part of us that we're hiding? There's a part of us that we feel shame over, that we're afraid, and so we can compartmentalize. Oh, I'll, I'll share with you on this part, but I'm not going to let you into this part of it. What if, what if for you, maybe it's for you to be fully present, to be fully open? share yourself fully with your loved ones. I tell you, there'll be a a unity and a connectedness that you can't imagine through transparency and openness. What if if for you, what if it was actually planning to have meals together? Like, I get it. Everybody's busy. I mean, we've got kids going 1,000 different miles and all these different things. But do you realize, like, when you gather your family around a dinner table on a consistent basis, do you know how much discussion and, and openness and connection and celebration it brings by gathering around the table together? Man, there are statistics that show how influential it is for, for families to eat together around the table. You know how impactful that is? Man, how do you prioritize? I, I recognize there's some nights where you're like, hey, we're just going to go through drive-thru and I'm going to throw some chicken nuggets in the back and they're going to call that good. That's dinner. But what if you were like, no, what if we said, man, these are the three days a week that we gather together, we sit around the table, and we eat dinner? Well, grandparents, what does it look like once a week to be able to have family together? Every other week, hey, let's gather together around the table. Let's be intentional with our time. You've got some friends, some people that you're connected to. Again, how does it look like to say, let's prioritize being around the table together? The problem for many of us, and this may be the greatest problem in all relationships. All relationships is there's, we have too many tomorrows. Too many laters. Too many, oh, another time. Because we think we've got plenty of time. Uh, we, we don't have time today. We'll hang out tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk later. We'll go play another time. Right? Tomorrow. Some other time. You know what's scary is, is, is how quickly the time goes. I mean, I remember like, like when, when our kids were young, people would tell us, oh, man, you need to cherish it. The time goes fast. Now, when you're a parent with toddlers, you're like, you guys are idiots. You don't even understand what, like, like tantrums and crying and bedtimes and all those things that toddlers do. You're like, this is taking forever. What are you talking about? The time goes fast. <laughs> We've got three kids that are 18 years and older. My youngest is going to be in high school next fall. And I'm saying, holy moly, where did the time go? It's gone so fast. See, James 4 says, life is a vapor. Psalm 39 says, Lord, teach us to number our days to remind us how fleeting time is. Ephesians 5 says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. We think we've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time to invest in the kids. I've got plenty of time to invest in the marriage. I've got another time to invest in these relationships. No, listen, we have to recognize our time is limited. We can't manipulate time. We can't create more time. We can't extend time. We might hope we've got plenty of time, but we don't know. We have no clue. In fact, when I think about Christmas in 1991, my dad had no clue that he had a sickness that was going to damage his heart. He had no clue that in a few short months he'd die from a heart attack. He had no clue that he was going to leave his wife and five kids to pick up the pieces with Dad no longer with us. 30 years later, it's not the gifts under the tree that matter. It's not the stuff. It's not the gifts. It's not the inheritance. What matters was his presence. What matters? was his time that he said, I'm going to be intentional to say, Kevin, come with me. We're going to eat some terrible candy, and we're going to go to the sports center together. And we want to have the influence over the people that matter most. We want to influence and communicate our love to the people around us. The greatest thing that we can give them is be intentional with our presence Say, I'm here with you, I'm engaged with you, I'm committed to you, and I'm giving you my presence. Let's pray.